Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Woods Four Quarters, a Harlequins podcast. My name is Will and as always I'm joined by my cousin Michael and a very special guest this week, Ian A. Hurst. Welcome to the podcast, so pleased to have you with us. Played a lot of rugby this season so far, 859 minutes out of a possible 1,040, that's 83% of matches. First of all, how are you? How's the body? Recovery week last week? Yeah, no, it was good. Um, uh, it wasn't such a good uh, week for the club, but um, yeah, it was just good to be home with the family and and um, just have a good time with them. Um, yeah, and the body's been body is a bit battered now and then, um, <laughs> but it's 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 okay. I think um, the season's been it's been really hard, up and downs and stuff. But um, yeah, really grateful for this massive opportunity to play and. Really enjoying my top my time here. Does that mean you got to enjoy your your New Year's a little bit more? A few drinks? <laughs> Not really. No, my whole family <laughs> was sick, so we were actually. I was in bed like at nine, so it was a bit of a strange one. Similar um, to Michael. Uh, yeah, New Year's Eve for me, mate. I'm getting old these days. I was in bed by half ten on New Year's Eve. I'm too long in the tooth for all these big big parties. <laughs> but mate, yeah, first things uh, first, just. Firstly, welcome to the club. When um, when you first came, Will and I didn't have a huge amount of knowledge of, of you as a player or sort of where you come from. And just, you know, from a fan perspective, we have been so unbelievably impressed with the impact you've made, not just as a player, but just around the club. It seems like everyone's getting on so well with you. And it's been, you know, just the role you've been playing on the pitch has been unbelievable since you've come. But we wanted to know how the first bit of contact came from Quinn's obviously coming from Italy um, at the start of the season how did that first bit of contact come through and sort of what initially drew you to Quinn's in the first place um, yeah so I actually I was actually still in contract with Benetton till um, next season um, so I didn't actually look for to move um, I was quite happy settled in Italy and my family loved it there uh, we had an awesome lifestyle and the rugby was shit now and then. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, the lifestyle was quite cool. And then um, I've got um, in contact with my agent and said, um, Quinn's is interested. So, obviously, when I heard that, I was like, no, shit, we need to, we need to think about it. Um, as, like, as a rugby player, that's one of the best clubs to play. So, I immediately told him, now I'll definitely look at it and then... I just had a chat with my, my old club there and they were really good with it and yeah, I got the opportunity to come here and yeah, I was, and now I'm here, so awesome. It's amazing to hear that Quinn's is one of those clubs that when they call you, you definitely pick up the phone and, and listen. It's interesting yeah. how you're, you've come from, from obviously starting out in South Africa, then going to, to Italy and now to London, three very different places to play rugby. How do they compare from South Africa to, to Italy and now to London? And obviously, you recently went back to South Africa to play the Sharks in Europe. What what are the main differences, if any, do you experience as a player? Yeah, I think playing in Italy was, um, especially playing for Benetton, like you were the underdogs every like underdog every weekend. So you got a bit of a fighting spirit. So I really took a lot from that. Um, so played play big clubs and 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 the URC is also quite big and it's physical and stuff. So that was good. Learned learned a lot. Um, and I think that we had a really good. There was a good, really good um, technical uh, fourth coach that um, learned me a lot. Um, and then South Africa, obviously, I've played a super super rugby season. That was way different than. The European rugby is like way faster and mm. um, not not as physical. Um, yeah, and then coming to coming to Quinns and the Premiership, um, yeah, I think it's just next level. I think the the competition is so hard. It was like I was telling my wife now, like earlier in the years, like there's no easy game. No, so yeah. but like last year, last year maybe you play not 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 nothing against the dragons but say you play against the dragons and then you think ah oh, not that hard but mm. you play weekend 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 out like what the best size in the world so it's it's quite challenging and you get a lot you get better so 
Um, and then obviously I I I liked I liked the the competition, like to get to play against the best players in the world. So yeah, that's 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 also a learning curve solve for me. Um, I think rugby players overall just learn every game. So but I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it's awesome. You just got to look at the state of the Premiership at the minute. Where yeah. two weeks ago, Sale, Sarries, and both lose to the bottom of the league. Then we play Bristol. And we think, oh, we're going to beat them today. We'll go second. Then we lose. Yeah. And we lose on the spin. You know, it's 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 an unbelievably competitive league. But when when you came over, obviously we've got a bit of a, a South African contingent growing now in the club with yeah. Big Steph as captain. Wilco is obviously sadly departing at the end of the year. Andre, who I think we've we've given him the nickname the Agent of Chaos, which I think is one of the cooler nicknames in rugby. We're trying to think of one for you, so maybe you can help us out. But <laughs> you, um, were you mates with any of these guys before you came over? Had you played with or against them, or had any sort of connection with them? And did you chat to them before coming? Uh, yes, yeah, I played. All of us played uh, age group um, like Curry Cup against each other in South Africa, and then I played against Steph and Andre Super Rugby. Um, and I played with Volko at the Bulls as a junior, so I I, I knew everyone. So that 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 was that was cool coming here. You know that my family and myself will will have a few friends and stuff. Um, so yeah, that was that was quite cool. And then obviously they they look after me. They look after my family and. So it's so a nice group of people together. Um, but sad that Volker is leaving now. Um, I think he's he's an awesome guy. Not a not not just a good rugby player, but just a great human being. So gonna miss him a lot. Um, We're certainly uh, gonna miss him as well. I think. Yeah. Our uh, front row is um, as strong as it's ever been. As, as Quinns fans, we've, we've supported the club for a long time. I don't think our front row has ever been as strong as it is now, and he's a, a large large factor within that. Um, talk to us about what, what Bride Club is. It seems you've got a little bit of a club going on for Bride. I don't know if it's a monthly tradition, you, Steph, Andre. Tell us a little bit more about that. No, we've got a few Brides now and then. Um yeah, at, at Steph's house and at at Andre's house, even at Volker's house, I still need. I I think I've hosted one. Um, but <laughs> who's, yeah. who's the best host? Who does the be- Who puts on the best spread? This would be an unreal yeah. like Quinn's come dine with me, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it, it will be really cool. Um, I think yeah, I've had a few. Uh, shit, I can't say, man. I think it was. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's special. All of them are really good and. They make you feel at welcome, and you eat a lot of meat. So, so sometimes when you mess home, it's just good to be around those people, man. Yeah, just for sure. Do, do our traditional stuff. I suppose you're um you're a bit more used to you know the brides and the heat of Pretoria rather than the gardens of Guildford. It must be a bit of a different atmosphere. But we'll yeah. talk um we'll talk a little bit more about the rugby stuff. Obviously, you know we're well known as a club for playing a certain style of rugby, but a lot of that has been built, especially when we won the premiership in 2021, a huge part of what we are so good at is built on having a really dominant set of forwards, set piece, line out, scrum time, etc. How has your performance changed in terms of coming from Italy to Quinns? Have you had to change and adapt your game as a player or has it been a relatively easy transition? Obviously we, we see you as a bit of this, you know, enforcer type um, you know, super physical, getting at people's faces, big hard yards, big tackles, and I'm sure that's something that you obviously pride yourself on. But how much have you adapted since joining? I think yeah, that's a that's a that's a good question. Um, I think um, coming here as as a spectator, you would watch Quins and you would say, or you would see, look, they're playing a really good, expansive game and playing running rugby but all of that comes from a good set piece so I pre-season started and I could feel like the intensity was way way more like faster and higher so that was quite a, a bit of a not a shock almost but just like how, how Nick Evans wants to to run the attack shape and stuff is quite it's the morning, so you need to work really hard, and that that's actually one thing um, that I think we're struggling a bit sometimes. Just our attacking shape, getting into position and stuff. But I'll get into that. Um, but I I didn't like I I won't change my game a lot. Um, 
yeah, I think it's just been in my in my DNA from when I started at the Bulls and stuff, and I and I grew under like big big names at the Bulls, like Bucky's and all those guys, and mm-hmm. seen them playing, and so it almost I created like a thing for myself, and but obviously now liking it more, like playing a bit with the ball and stuff. So, but I went guard of my DNA stuff. So you're telling us that offload against Gloucester, that most ridiculous basketball out the back <laughs> kind of offload, has always been part of your DNA. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. It was part of my DNA when I was playing primary rugby. <laughs> hey, we love it. We love it. Yeah. We want to see more of it. Yeah, I know that definitely. Also, we've got a bit of a different competition this year. Um, you know, Europe obviously involving the the South African sides. What was it like as a a native South African to actually run out at the Sharks playing for Quinns? Obviously, I don't know how much you knew about um, the draw or who we're going to play and sort of the way the competition was going to work before you came. But when when you was like, I'm going back to South Africa to play for a London-based club that is now my club, what was that experience like? Because obviously you boys had what looked like the most unbelievable week out there. That looked like so much fun. Yeah. No, I think it was, it was one of my... It was a really good week, man. Um, I, I I I previously played for Benetton against the Bulls um, in Pretoria, my previous club. So it wasn't that like almost emotional or weird for me. Uh, I was quite quite not used to it, but um, now it was awesome just to flip and what's the chances of playing like in a in a in a Anakin Cup game against the Sharks. Playing from for London side, like yeah, you know, it's just it was so cool. Um, yeah, the week the week flown by, like passed so quickly. Um, but yeah, it's just shit. We couldn't win, win it, win it. Hey, it was a good game though. It was a good game. We were we were sat watching it in a bar in in Clapham in Southwest London. There was one Sharks fan in there, um, oh, yeah. who who fair play to him was was loud and proud. And we were sat there, weren't we, Mike? It's the first game we've actually watched together, not at the stadium. And we had that feeling of a comeback. We we genuinely believed that the comeback was on. And unfortunately, it didn't come off on this occasion. But that's the beauty of Quinns. You never quite know. Never know. You, know, you never know. There's. We'll do one more sort of rugby-focused question. And we've got a few sort of more fun ones that we want to try and unpick the personality of V&A Hurst and, and find out a little bit more about you. It's more objective and goal-based this one so the the highs and the lows of the season so far from your point of view and then have your objectives changed this season personally and have the team's objectives changed how are you tracking so far in your minds um i think there was a there's a there's a few highs more high stuff than than lows um the 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 losing against um series the sec- what is it, the second game? Yeah, that was the game. Yeah, that was quite a a hard one for me to take because I hate them. I don't like them. Um, <laughs> you, you you have no idea how pleased you've just made a huge Harlequins fan base say that you hate Saracens. <laughs> you bleed the quarters. This man bleeds the quarters. <laughs> so yeah, that was that wasn't a good one, and and also I think um, the one against Exeter when we. Oh. When we were like winning it on in the 80th minute, and they they scored like a hundred meter try, I think that was actually my lowest point. Um, but now it's, it's it's been good. Um, I think at the stage where we now we've got a massive opportunity for for Europe, so that's gonna be cool. I think we're gonna maybe a, a nice dry game and against racing because it's indoor, so that. Yeah. The weather, the weather has been a bit different. Um, so I think there's also some sometimes why we struggle at the moment is the weather. Um, so we just need to 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 adapt to the weather. I think. Yeah. Have you ever played in a stadium like that? I've I've certainly never been to a, a rugby stadium like that before. We're excited to go as as fans and kind of experience it, and I think we can get to go on the pitch after the game. Have you ever experienced anything like that? Um, no, I've played it. I've played at Stad, Stade Francais um, game. It wasn't indoor, but it's synthetic and similar. Yeah. But at at racing, it looks like an awesome vibe. It looks like a it's like, like a, a massive, like a massive uh, 
club or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we win, I think it might be one. Yeah. Yeah. So if we get if we get the job done, it might. Turn we'll take the, the drum with us. <laughs> take the drum with us. We'll move on to some sort of um, more light-hearted stuff. Obviously, I think it was a few, well, almost a few weeks and months ago now when you guys did an interview or yourself did an interview with the Daily Mail. You mentioned you don't like it when people pull the beard. Now, obviously, the beard is. It's almost part of the character now. We see Ernie Hurst. We see the beard. We see, you know, this big enforcer. Talk to us a little bit about the beard. Is it is it a personal style choice? Is it just a bit of like laziness, or is it this is this is the look I'm going for? No, I I, I just after school I was just getting irritated to shaving it, and then <laughs> just got it's just got um, just like almost my thing. So um, after every season, after every season, I would just cut it off. Wherever we play or stuff, I'll just take my 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 clippers. Completely, yeah. completely. Yeah, no way. Um, like, like, like you almost. Yeah, just, <laughs> just a bit yeah. of yeah, just a bit of stubble. Yeah. Yeah. I, I reckon I, your um your under chin bum fluff is a little bit more bristly than Wolves. Oh, though. come on, give it more credit than that. <laughs> this guy did November and you couldn't even tell. Um, <laughs> in that interview, you mentioned that you would only get angry if somebody pulled it. This was in September time. Has anybody actually pulled it yet? Yeah, yeah. Against racing, like first really? what first first ruck, someone pulled my beard, and I like almost dislocated my my jaw. And did you fill him I, in. I was on him there, and I told him to <laughs> do that again. <laughs> yeah. That is a gem, gem insight right there. Yeah. In terms of um, off-pitch interest, then, obviously, um, in the article you referenced that you were a shot put, you know, junior, you know, at a really, really high level. Um, is is that sort of the main other side of your sporting interest? You know, are you out on the golf course? Are you into your cricket? Um, anything business-related? Anything else that goes on sort of away from the rugby pitch? Yeah, now, now and then I would play a bit of golf, but play, of playing golf now with my family and stuff is a bit difficult. But that, that that's probably the best one to just switch off and put your my phone away for five hours and just concentrate on the ball. And anything, it's just your own fault, and you can just swear the ball. So. <laughs> Um, Maybe we'll try and get uh, you on the golf. Get you on the golf course. I know that Danny and Marcus, I think, are members at Fox Hills out in Cobham. Yeah, so I lovely been. try. I'll never play there. I've not got the cash for that, but I'd love love to get around him. Yeah, no, they need to invite me or something. It's so expensive playing golf. Yeah, <laughs> it is an expensive hobby. It is an yeah. expensive hobby. And um, yeah, so and shot put and stuff was obviously a big part of my like when I was younger and stuff. But that's not not now anymore. Just spending time with the family and yeah i was just enjoying my off time quite hard to do that as a hobby isn't it that must have been more of a you're good at it yeah. let's give it a go and then i think you got the the rugby call didn't you and you had to make that tough decision to to either stick with shot put or, or go to rugby and it looks like you made the right decision yeah i know i think so i hope so <laughs> the, 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 those those um guys at the the world champs and stuff and the shot puts are so so strong so maybe they took a bit of steroids also I don't know <laughs> I say, speaking, speaking of steroids I don't know if you've seen this guy on TikTok but when you first came I don't know if you've seen oh, yeah. the guy on TikTok called Liver King yeah full so of we, 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 we screenshot that photo of you and said well we've got Liver King and he actually responded to our Instagram saying this guy's got beard energy yeah. and it really? came out, Came up, yeah, he actually responded to it. I'll, I'll find it. We'll find it. We'll, we'll send you the screenshot. We'll send you the screenshot. He was like, "This guy's got beard energy," and it turns out he was uh, he was pumping himself full of steroids. So maybe he's um, not the guy we've been looking up to. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't want to be associated with him. <laughs> no, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, for for those of you that saw our Instagram stories over over the Christmas period, we posted a few Quinn's themed festivities, I suppose, or gifts, or or. or... Um, other Christmas elements, and one of them was some Quinn's themed Christmas crackers. Now we sent this image to Ernie as well, and he he actually asked us to try and get hold of one of them for him. Ernie, we've been in contact with uh, with the people that created them, and we haven't been able to get hold of them. But you've got our word; we'll get one for you. We'll make one. Please, mate, for the next for, for my next Christmas. We so you, you have you have a bit of time. Yeah, almost. Like. Hundred and how many days? We've got we've got a year in the planning to get you some Christmas exactly. crackers, or maybe we'll, we'll try and get crackers, try and get 
try and get some for your next bry. Uh, yeah. Just a tiny bit more rugby chat. Obviously, you've been you know played all over the world, especially when you're in in Italy with the the way their system works. You do go to guys you know places in Wales and here and there and everywhere else. Where's the best stadium you've played rugby in? Where's the place that you've gone and just immediately you 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 sort of starstruck about where you are and the sort of history of the place and stuff like that? Definitely Ulster, mate, on a Friday night. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's that's probably my best atmosphere I've ever had. It's Ulster. Um, obviously, Munster is also good. Yeah. I think all the Irish sides are quite, quite good. Connacht is a bit tired. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, think, um, I think Ulster, yeah, it's always... And they're always... Uh, there's always like it's always ninety percent full or hundred percent full. It's almost similar to the stoop for me, actually. Yeah, interesting because that's um that's pretty high up on Michael's away day bucket list for Europe, isn't it, Ulster? Ulster. Whenever the European fixtures come out at the start of the year, I always want Ulster the week before Christmas. You want to go up to Northern Ireland, massive, massive warm woolly jackets. Part you in, you into Guinness? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pro- proper pint of Guinness in Belfast. And then we want to have like a somewhere in France. You know, we went to Montpellier last year or yeah, somewhere like nice. Claremont, south of France, Toulon, somewhere like that in about Easter time. So, yeah, Ulster, Ulster's right at the top of my bucket list to go to as a Quinns fan. So, I'm glad you yeah. said that. I think, I think that my second one is definitely Toulon on a Sunday afternoon. Oh, yeah. We played them on a Sunday afternoon and it was packed also. And um, yeah, it was a sunny day, and yeah, south of France is beautiful. Well, you, you've done Toulon. I've you? done Toulon. Yeah, I did Toulon in I think it was 2011, and it still blows my mind today. But they've got this tradition where when they score their bonus point try, they'll throw up their match day programs in the air and their newspapers. They kind of get ripped up and thrown in the air. But it's it was still legal to smoke cigarettes in the stadium. So I was like, this is just a fire waiting to happen, surely. <laughs> um, so that that blew my mind a little bit. Um, yeah. we'll, we'll finish up with, with one more question more light hearted stuff away from the pitch new to the club have you done initiations yet is that still to come what did you do did you do a song Let, let's let's find out a little bit more about that I think uh, I don't know actually how the initiation works but I did like a, a song um, when we had a team a team camp in um, what's it party place man uh, where did we go Party, party place. place. This, this, this could be interesting. Where is this? <laughs> what is that island, man? Um, Ibiza. 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 <laughs> I, when you said party place, I was thinking, does he mean like Cardiff? Or I was like... thinking Infernos in Clapham. That's what, that was my next thing. Was like, did they all go out to Infernos? No, Ibiza. A little bit more upmarket. Yeah, no, but I, 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 I wasn't good. I'm not good and stuff like that, man. Uh, I really hate it. I'm not that comfortable with people, yeah. a lot of people. So I just do something stupid. Uh, uh, and I don't know, maybe maybe they're going to let me do something at the end of the season. But I'm actually strong enough to just say no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I doubt anyone would argue with you. But so I can't imagine everyone's going to say no, Eddie. You have to get up there right now. You'll just look at them. No, mate. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely not I'll do that I'll do that Christian right. mate we'll, we'll wrap it up here but first things first thank you so much for coming on um, we've spoken to loads of people in the last you know few months since the season starts and almost everyone we've spoken to about yourself has said what an amazing impact he's had as as a rugby player just the the the, the enforcing attitude you know the nitty gritty the, the, the big tackles the, the hits all of that the impact that you've made we've absolutely loved and it just seems like everyone's getting on like a house on fire with you around the squad so we're lo- loving the fact you're enjoying it and hopefully long may it continue yeah no thanks man it really I really appreciate it um, yeah and it was just good chatting with you guys well look mate you'll, um, you'll see us in the south stand on Sunday with the drum so I've when, yeah. you, when you start making some big hits and the noise comes, you know where it's coming from. But yeah, Perfect. appreciate your time, mate. Thanks for coming Thanks. on. Thanks. Welcome back to part two of Two Woods Four Quarters, a Harlequins podcast. A podcast of two halves as we move on from interviewing fan favourite Ernie Herbst and turn our attention to reviewing our third straight defeat. But before we do, some housekeeping. Two pieces of good news. Well, I'm 
I'm perceiving it as good news. Nick Evans, England's new attack coach for the Six Nations on a short-term deal. Your thoughts, please, Michael. Delighted for Nev. Concerned for us. <laughs> um, I, th- I think it's probably fairly obvious to suggest that if he does a good job in the Six Nations period, which obviously we fully expect him to do, that will become some sort of a permanent gig. Um, I think so, right? I can't imagine he'll go and do a really good job and England's attack will start clicking and firing in the same way that Quinns has you know, over the last two years. And then Borthwell could go, oh, well, cheers your help, Nick, and um, we'll, we'll, pl- we'll point someone new full-time in the next two weeks pre-World Cup. I can't imagine that's how it will work. So, no, I um, agree. Yeah, we'll see. Bit of a shame to lose him, but obviously just for Nev, that's that's an amazing thing, isn't it? You know, having been his oh, first, first job as a coach in the Harlequin setup, has never coached anywhere else, obviously post-retirement, um, and then to go straight into an England job in a new setup with Borthwick and Sinfield, that's a pretty cool gig, isn't it? I've got a big old smile on my face because I'm so excited about the England setup now. When Borthwick was first appointed, I wasn't that excited. I don't think head coaches are... A, that exciting of an appointment these days. I think it's more about the coaching group. Mm. Quinn's coaching group really excites me. And for Borthwick to bring in a Kevin Simfield, who is a man that I would run through walls for, and then back that up by bringing in Nick Evans, who's been coaching the best attack in the league over the last few years, the most exciting team for sure. Really, really exciting group of coaches that are being brought in and it, they're also very positive people which i think will have a good influence and it kind of reminds me of how we've built our our team when we had that successful 2021 season so best of luck to nev can't wait to see what he does however it does leave us a bit short doesn't it in a time where it's all doom and gloom we're facing <laughs> well we've had three straight defeats europe couldn't come quick enough just so we can lick our wounds and we're going to go into a period over February and March where we're a coach down and we must get some kind of compensation for Nev. And it's slightly different. I know Borthwick had just signed a two-year deal, so Leicester got a, a payout of about a million pounds. Nev doesn't have one of those contracts. He's got a permanent contract. If you remember, rewind back to post-2021 success, Nev, Jerry and Bomb. And I think maybe Billy Millard as well all got offered permanent contracts as, as opposed to uh, a couple of years or so. So I'm interested to see how that then changes compensation and, and how we're getting compensated for losing Nev. And if he were to become permanent with England, what we get out of that. So we're going to have a two-month period where we'll be without him. What do you do in that period? Because for me, I think Tabai picks up attack and we bring in a consultant using the the NEV compensation to, to fix the bloody line-out. Well, I don't really know. The line-out was a bit better this afternoon. Um, but yeah, I don't know how... I don't quite know how that works in terms of contracts. You know, the three of them signed open-ended deals, didn't they, a couple of years ago? It was, here's pen to paper, here's your coaching gig until you fancy moving on or, you know, a, a, a different opportunity is presented to you. So that'll be interesting, interesting to see actually how that pans out. Um, what do I do? Well, I don't know. Are we assuming that it's going to be permanent post Six Nations, or do we just fill the holes where possible well, during the time that he's away, and then we'll get him back? Or are we assuming that he's going to go and do a really good job, and then we'll have to start looking for a full time permanent attack coach in between then and? Impossible to say, isn't it? I think yeah. let's look at it. Look at it both ways. I think we'll either have him back if. England are relatively poor, which they might be. Who knows? We've got no idea because it's a completely new coaching setup. There might be some big changes to the team as well. But assuming he does do well, we'll need to bring somebody in long term. But in the short term, for that two month window before we get him back, are you doing anything? I don't know. I well, I, I, I it's somebody's got to run the attack <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's, it's so difficult to, to work out isn't it because you know for that what are we saying six to eight week period is there anyone that's going to come in with the level of experience that we would you know look at as desirable um somebody that's going to be on the same sort of wavelength in terms of their philosophy um, you know, we're not going to change too much of the way we play. You basically just got to have someone that's going to come in and fill Nev's shoes and, you know, implement all the same 
principles and structures that we already sort of have, maybe with their own little bit of you know yeah, salt sprinkling. Not, not necessarily though, right? Because our, our attack the last three weeks hasn't been brilliant, and of course, all the foundations are in place, and we've got unbelievable players to do it. But bringing in a fresh perspective wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. They're not going to come in and tear anything up because it's only a temporary job. But somebody to come in and offer a different pair of eyes and and see things slightly differently would only be beneficial. Suppose, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see what happens. We'll see, it'll be interesting, that's for sure, because it'll impact our club greatly. Um, Nick Evans, part of the, the furniture for a very long yeah. time, played for us for many a year and coached us to, to premiership success as well. It'd be a great shame to see him go, but wow, what a career he's had in terms of performing on the pitch for us and then performing off the pitch as well. So he deserves everything he gets. Another piece of good news before we move on to the match review, our editor, Leo, has got some freelance work, courtesy of the podcast, but we'll claim it. We'll claim it. Somebody <laughs> DM'd us the other day and um, asked for Leo's details. We shared them. Then a couple of days, he's turned around the job and, and got paid, which is absolutely brilliant. So for anybody listening that might need a bit of graphic design work or, or editing or anything similar, Get in touch. Leo's the man. He does a brilliant job for us every week. Incredibly reliable. And um, he'll definitely be listening to this because he'll be editing it. So well done, Leo, <laughs> mate. We're, uh, we're buzzing for you. We're pleased we can deliver in some kind of, of shape or form. Next, in this shortened second phase of the podcast, the match review. Miserable, miserable day. <laughs> Mitch. I, I almost knew the result before the game had even kicked off. It was such sale conditions. There are uh... a physical sort of grafting team that that get around the park, hit people hard and carry hard and the conditions couldn't have been more perfect for them but how did you feel going into this one? I said on the podcast last week I think we'll probably lose um, and as the week went on we got more excited I'm probably a little bit hoarse now from all the singing your arm might be out of action for a bit from, from all the action on the drum yeah. we gave it a good crack maybe not as well as we'd have liked on the pitch though I opened my curtains this morning at about nine o'clock and it was looking a little bit overcast and the clouds are rolling in and then it started absolutely chucking it down and I was just thinking, oh, this doesn't really doesn't really suit us. I think um D Rod reminded us earlier in the day that in the period of January through to when we won the premiership in twenty one, we didn't play a single game at home in the wet. Um yeah. we've played two games in the wet at home in the last well two and a half weeks or so and we've come up short both times um, and one on the road in the wet where oh, we can well, incredibly short yeah um, in terms of the way we've sort of set up selection wise I was pleased to see Luke Wallace in there I thought that was a good selection we'll talk about his performance in a bit as well because I thought he had a yeah, good he, game he was, he was epic wasn't he I was really impressed with him um, obviously Ernie was back uh, Baxter and Lowe um, in the front row no other real surprises Um there were rumours about Marcus might maybe being fit and maybe being ready. That appears to be sort of delayed by another week. Didn't quite get up for it, um, especially with the knock that Tommy took. Hopefully Marcus is going to be fit for next week. We'll see. But yeah, going into it, I think like you said, we, we'd we had some sort of chat during the week between um, ourselves and it just seemed maybe that we actually felt a bit more confident than I first thought. Um, we were talking about, you know, just turning up at home and, playing in a way that we have played when we beat them at their place, being a little bit more pragmatic, um, matching them physically, doing all those things, you know, that, that you speak about in the week. And we had a bit more of a, an extended rest after a four day turnaround. And actually I felt a bit better when I turned up to the ground and I felt a bit more, I don't know. I had a bit more feeling than I did after <clears throat> I was driving back from Northampton the previous week. I actually felt <laughs> well, yeah, no doubt. I was um oh. I had ups and downs, if I'm honest. I was I was down and doom and gloom thinking, right, the weather's the weather's decided this one. And then when we got the drum going and we get in the stands, I'm thinking, okay, right, we're up for it. A lot of people are up for it. Let's yeah. get it. Then I saw the warm-ups and I thought that they looked intense and sharp and, and competitive in all the drills they were doing and we looked a little bit lethargic and then I feel a little bit down again. Then the players come running out, we leave them in the cold for about 20 seconds before we come out and the flames are going off and I'm thinking, all right, it's our, it's our home game, we're, we're doing it our way. First blood, Harlequins took three, correct decision in my opinion. 
Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. Um, don't often see us taking three there, but it was we we did it when we played them away, didn't we? We just took points when they were on offer. We kept the scoreboard moving, um, we kept our noses in front, and given obviously the, the the nature of the day and the you know the downpour and the conditions, we weren't going to get loads of opportunities to take points. Um, so I think yeah, correct decision, hundred percent. Yeah, without a doubt. And then not too long after that, they get themselves on the board as well through a try where I thought in the midfield there might have been a hint of a forward pass. But yeah. I've watched it back and it doesn't. Replays. I watched it back, it doesn't look too bad. Really? It looks pretty flat, yeah. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> I'm not even sure I want to dwell on the game too much because we all sort of know where we're, where we're at at the minute. I think we need to look a little bit more big, bigger picture, bigger perspective. We, we, we just played a team that was second in the league. We just played a team that are in really good form. Obviously, they lost to Newcastle a couple of weeks ago. Yes, Newcastle, obviously, they've then won twice in two weeks at Kingston Park. They're, they're starting to win a few games. We're not in a bad position. We're not turning into a bad side, but we are really, really low on numbers. And it was interesting hearing Tabai talk in the pre-match stuff about them getting the training environment wrong in the week leading up to Northampton. He said the players, we, we sort of probably pushed them too hard and got too much into them. And that obviously changed. It does at the minute, and maybe it's just because of the sort of poetic nature of the conditions and the day and the, the atmosphere and all that sort of stuff. It did just look like we were pretty tired within two-thirds of the game. We looked like we were pretty cooked. And obviously it was incredibly physical. The rain and so are you talking about Saints? Are you talking about sale? No, stay sale as well today. But it's it's everything... yeah, we looked out on our feet. We looked unfit. But it just me. It just the rain and the energy was just sapped from you, and the just constant scrummaging and you know. But it's the same for both sides. If you want to be a champions team, you've you've got to be able to cope but, but, with these things. And, but and sale not... did that, and we didn't. But maybe this this is what I mean, though. We're not there at the minute. We're just. We're just a, we're just a, a couple of clicks off, you know. We're not we're not turning into a bad side. I think the European break is coming at a really good time for us. We absolutely need it, but we do need we do need yeah, the coverage. Go to come and back. lick our wounds a bit. Yeah, but the game as as a whole, I actually thought we matched them really well for sixty odd minutes, and then I'm they just sure we did. No, I thought I thought we were, I thought we were okay. We we were close for periods without being excellent i think the only place where we matched them was probably in the kicking game no i disagree i thought, we, I thought that's i what, thought we kicked quite well no i disagree i thought that's one of the areas we struggled with we did we kicked we kicked to to, to players too much we didn't kick either no, in I behind don't know. i don't know i no, think I, we, we put some great kicks in that kind of skidded along the ground and they I fumbled a couple I, I a few landing at their feet i don't i didn't maybe, maybe we were watching a different game i didn't see it that well i saw us kicking too many times Oh mate, players. don't get me wrong. We we definitely kick too much, particularly in the latter stages. Where what are we doing? Kicking it? We're chasing a game. I wouldn't care if we flung it out wide and they go and get another try at that point. We need to get a point from this game. And at that point, I'm wondering why the hell are we kicking it? But in as you say, in in that 60 minute period, the first half and sort of the first half of the second half, I thought we kicked pretty well. Don't know. Maybe I'm just I being. Can't, a, I can't remember a bad kick, really. Maybe I'm just being a bit of a negative, negative Nelly this afternoon or this evening. But yeah, it just. Well, it okay, in that case, well, kicking aside, where do you think we had the upper hand on them? Or where do you think we were on par with them? Scrum just, time, maybe. Well, the scrum time looked looked okay. Um, I think that we were winning some of those midfield collisions. They seemed to be knocking the ball on a little bit. They weren't getting loads of go forward from the likes of um, Tuolangi. Um, it felt like we looked a little bit more dangerous, especially when we made a couple of breaks. We went through a few phases at times, but then we just lacked that, you know, real sort of big finishing blow. Um, I think in conditions like that, the the team that are better up front are often going to win the game. And yeah. They they outmould us I think in they, attack and def and in defence. They stood the course much longer than we did, and we actually stuffed a couple of their driving mauls in the first half. But then the one they scored in the second half, they got a really early shove on, and you can almost just see it happening. We didn't have we didn't have the, the, the bodies in there just to to slow down any momentum. We did in the first half, and we were we actually I think we were quite good in in that area. Um, even when a couple of those little kicking battles where the ball would land and we held them up in the middle of the pitch for a turnover. 
we were we were we were okay. But then yeah, that third third or fourth try they scored where they you know went to the, went to the corner and it was it, it just happened quite quickly, didn't it? That driving ball that was a bit of a sucker blow. Yeah, well, let's talk about two more elements to the game. Um, the first one I want to talk about is the the Tommy injury. Um, yeah. Send our love to Tommy. I thought he was having a good game. I thought he looked up for it. It's not his typical game, a physical one in the rain against Sale, but he looked well worth his his money today. Um, shame to see him go down the way he did and, and stay down for as long as he did. So we, yeah. we send our wishes to him. But what were your thoughts on the incident? Because I was watching it at the time. I think a lot of people in the ground saw direct contact to the head with force, with minor mitigation. Um, but it was deemed a rugby incident, according to my dad, who was watching it on TV and who had the benefit of the ref mic and the commentators. Your thoughts on that one? Well, I watched it back about 50 minutes ago when I got in. Um, when I watched it live, it did look like he had almost landed on Manu. It didn't look like he sort of really hit the hit the deck to begin with. It didn't, it didn't look like Manu had a chance to do anything differently because Tommy was coming down with the flight of the ball. But actually, on replay, and I saw, I remember I watched it on the screen a little bit, and I was only really focusing on um, the, the contact from Manu and well, on his shoulder, on Tommy's head. But actually, having watched it back, Tommy almost sort of his feet almost hit the floor, and then he almost takes like a sort of little half step, and then the collision comes. So yes, he's coming down with the flight of the ball. Yes, there's a little bit of mitigation because of the way that he's moving towards Manu. But to me, he doesn't it's, even have the ball. Though. <laughs> no, but then, but then to That's me, the it's, but to me, it's still a really, really dangerous shot. Oh, with completely! No arms on a it's, really sort of dangerous the part exact, of the body. Yeah, it's the exact kind of tackle they're trying to eradicate from the game. Yeah. It's something we love about Manny Tuolangi, right? He's incredibly physical. He makes positive tackles. He creams people, and he was trying to do that. He saw our fly half going up for a high ball. As soon as he lands, I'm going to absolutely level him. And he got it horrendously wrong and so horrendously wrong that he's put one of our players in an awful lot of bother, stretched off the pitch after a lengthy treatment period. And it's exactly what they're trying to get rid of from the game. And how for that to be deemed a rugby incident is just absolutely absurd. Absolutely do think, absurd. Do you think like the Farrell one against Gloucester on Friday night, they might look at it retrospectively? <sighs> Uh, they, I assume they are looking at a Farrell one retrospectively, but I don't know about this one because I wouldn't compare it to that one. I'd compare it to the Ben Earl one against London Irish a few weeks ago where he got given a red card and then it was rescinded and Ben Earl was able to play the following week. I think it's a very similar instance to that, but even Tom Wolfram Cross was carried off that day. So I think they're getting it so wrong. So wrong. Two players that have taken wallops to the head had to be carried off but it's deemed a rugby instant it's ridiculous really how do you feel looking at the table now terrified yeah I'm absolutely terrified I can't see where our next win's coming from we've got London Irish away London Irish are looking good back to back wins beating Saracens just beating Bristol at home and we've got to play them on the road they've got a home game. game We obviously had an incredible party day there last year with a thousand of us all sat together and watched us beat them by about 30 points in the sunshine. It's going to be different. We just scraped a win against them at home. We're coming off the back of three straight defeats. I'm terrified, mate. I'm looking at it now. There's 10 points. 10 points between us in third and Bristol down the bottom with 21 points. So we're we're 31, Gloucester 31, Exeter 30, Northampton 29, Leicester 29, Newcastle and London Irish 26 and 26. We are fighting. The good thing about that is we've we've still got to play Gloucester, we've still got to play Leicester, we've still got to play Exeter. So it is very much in our own hands to get a playoff spot. I think at this point, there's a bigger gap between us and Sale than there is between us and bottom of the league. We can wave goodbye to second place, I think. Sale have still got to play Exeter away, Northampton away in back-to-back weeks, followed up by Saracens at home. That will be an incredibly tricky period for Sale. So there is hope, but it's very, very much out of our hands and a lot of things have to go right for us and a lot of things have to go wrong for them. And I can't see it happening. No, I think we can probably kiss goodbye to our chances of a home semi-final unless something miraculous happens. But, we but, never, but you never know. You never say never. Do you remember where we were in January 2021? I remember it well. 
Do you remember what happened that season? In fact, I've got it inked on my arm, and I think you've got it inked on your ankle. So yeah. never write us off, as Joe Marler would say. Believe. Believe. Before we move on, Danny Kerr conducted an interview post-match, and this is what he had to say. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one to take. We prepped well. Obviously, we'd had a, a bad couple of weeks, but we thought we'd try and get back on the horse. We know how good Sale are, and, you know, the... They played the conditions really well. Uh, got a big pack, and we gave them gave them two opportunities in the first half. They scored two tries, so that's the disappointing thing. You know, if we can limit teams' opportunities on our own 22, we know we'll be we'll be better off. So, yeah, frustrating day at the office to come away with not even a bonus point. It's tough to take, um, but a bit of a break now of the Premiership, and we could crack into Europe and and hopefully have a new bit of, bit of energy into us. In terms of belief, should we um should we turn this soggy, damp, miserable Sunday night into a bit more of a pump-up for next weekend. Absolutely. I am so excited for Paris. It feels like a long old time since we've had a, a Harlequins like all the way day in Europe. And here we go again. The boys are off to Paris. The 9.30 Eurostar on Saturday morning for one night only. <laughs> Saturday night in Paris. We need to find a nightclub or something go big. Um, and then we've got all day Sunday in the build-up to a sort of 4.15 kickoff. I think it is. Indoor game, absolutely brilliant. There's not going to be any wet conditions. <laughs> Maybe we can play some rugby. Maybe we can find our mojo again. Maybe we can win again. How are you seeing this one pan out? I think they're having a bit of a tough time of it in Europe. If they get two bonus point wins in their next two games, they could probably still qualify. But I think, as the French teams tend to do, they could probably throw in the towel on this one and focus on the league. Where is your head with that one? Well, I'm just looking at my Eurostar app. 9.31 departure. Please arrive between 45 and 60 minutes before it leaves. And oh, how am I seeing this one? We've beat them already. They're not in brilliant form, as you just said, looking at their domestic form. You wonder how much Racing as a club are putting into their European campaign. Are they really making it their priority or are they prioritising domestic trophies or domestic form. What... Sorry, just for the record, their other game is Leinster away. Yeah, where, they, is... need, where they need five points. So this is what I mean. Is it, it's, is it potentially unrealistic that they're going to go to Leinster and get and get the job done as well as beating us, having lost us early in the year? I feel good about it. I feel good about the fact that we're going to have some players returning. We are... The Magic Man? The magic man, not the goose stepping Filipino. I've missed him so much. Well, we're going to need him now, aren't we? Yeah, assuming we don't know yet, as in we don't know, we don't know anything concrete, but it was rumored to be back for this week. Hopefully, it's tracking well. And also, you can concretely say we won't have Tommy exactly, given now that Tommy's probably going to spend two or three weeks in a dark room not looking into the light. He, uh, we need to, we need to get the magic man back again. Rumors of the captain being in and around the, the setup for this weekend. My um, God, we need him off the yeah. back of three straight defeats and morale being low and a bit of leadership required. No and matter how much. <laughs> the, the highly talked about line out, all yeah. the things that, that this man is going to be absolutely critical for. So I'd love to see him back. My only concern, I was talking to somebody about it on the way to the ground today. I'm a little bit nervous about putting all these injured players in their first game back out on a plastic pitch. Yeah, I know, but you've got to, you've got to play them at some point, haven't you? And as much as I enjoy drinking... Shots of menthol liqueur. Jet 27. Yeah, whatever. Oh, I'm looking it was. forward to some Jet 27. As much There's as a I few Kilkenny's. It's a bit of a French tradition to drink Irish Kilkenny's, isn't it? For us? Irish Irish amber ale or red ale, whatever it was. First time we I had should, it. We'll try and get some Kilkenny's for the Eurostar. I'm going to put a pause on dry January. It doesn't count when you're abroad. <laughs> I'm classifying as soon as I've sat in my seat on the, the Eurostar, even if it is still at St. Pancras. I'm classifying <laughs> that as abroad. So crack open the Kilkenny's if we can find some. Where, where are we going to get Kilkenny from at 9.30 on a Saturday morning? We'll have to get... Leave it with me. Leave it with me. All right, I'll leave that with you. But yeah, as much as I enjoy... they do tennis. <laughs> yeah. As much as I enjoy drinking with Stefan Montpelli, I'd much rather see him out there on the pitch playing. So hopefully he's back. But no, Matt, I feel good about it. Obviously, I'm you know buzzing for the weekend. Um, Montpellier was awesome. Paris, I'm hoping, is going to be you know just just even better. Um Six to seven hundred of us going out. I think six fifty was around the rough number that I saw, all packed into one corner. The drums come in. Um, you know, people... I thought it was a little bit more than that. Is it only about six fifty? Six 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 fifty. Yeah. But well, it'll be nice that we're all together. All together. Be like that little trip we had out to uh, 
London Irish last year will all be in the same block making a hell of a racket. I'm really looking forward to seeing it. Is the and drum going to make an appearance? Yeah, the drum will be there. Um, although yeah. I was thinking about this earlier. Since I've been in charge of the drum, since Gaz has lent me the drum from, when was it? Uh, big Game was when he wasn't around, so lent the drum to us. I've been custodian of the drum. We've my, had... my only bit of feedback on the drum is to stop using it as an outlet for your, your emotion and your aggression. <laughs> When you just repeatedly bang it with no no rhythm at all, just to express your frustration right next to my ear. I, I don't know if you've realised this as well. There's a little hole in the side of it where all the air comes out when you whack it. And I'm sat next to you and it's just hitting me in the face. <laughs> I didn't know that. But since... Use it for music. Don't use it for frustration. Or since I'll confiscate I... it. But since I've been in charge of the drum, we've not won a game. Oh, well, that needs to change. Then. Bristol, Northampton, and Sale. We've not won a game, so hopefully that'll oh, um... that. I'm sorry. That, I know you love the drum, but that that 100 has to change. <laughs> I'll give my drum debut a go. If we lose to Racing, you, it's all yours. You can keep it. All right, this is your last chance. Last chance to do. But we'll see how we get on. But no, I'm 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 buzzing for it. I really, really am excited. I'm looking forward to just everything the weekend's going to give us. I'm not looking forward to Monday morning at work though. I'm, I don't know what the, I don't know what to do on Sunday. If we're going to go out there on Saturday, obviously we're going to have a load of beers on Saturday, but. If we have a few on the Sunday, I'm going to be sobering up on the train back and then I'm having to get across London on Sunday night about midnight and then be at work in six, seven hours. So I'm not sure how to play it. We cannot miss that last train home because I've got to be in work as well on Monday morning. Yeah. And also, I miss that. I've got no clue how to get back. I also can't call my boss and say, hey, man, I'm going to be late today. He's like, why? Well, I'm still in Paris because they all know where I'm going. Well, yeah. I'm tempted to bring my laptop just in case it all goes tits up, but we'll see. see. Anyway, incredibly excited. For anybody on the 9.31 Euro Star, make yourself known. We're going to have a lot of fun. Um, for anyone that's going in and still doing Dry January, I salute you. <laughs> you can <laughs> sure, still join us. Not. You can still join us for a, a, a boozy carriage and have some fun. We'll, we'll get some songs going. But <laughs> looking forward to it. It's a great way today. Incredibly excited about the numbers that we're, we're getting over there. And I'm excited to see a brand new stadium. Yeah. Indoors. Completely new. New one for me. So Another one's we'll leave it there for this week. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Ernie Herbst for joining us. What a man, fan favourite. Puts himself out every single week. We can't wait to see him go again. But we roll on to Europe, a time that is very much needed for our club. We lick our wounds. We have a fresh competition. We have hope in this competition. We go again. Let's bring the noise. Come on, the Quins. See you in Paris, everyone.